0: services last week uh, when the series was introduced. Uh, but one of the main things that uh, I personally got last week uh, was about the needs to take on and sort of fully grasp that Jesus was fully God and fully human. Now the reason this is so important for us, I believe, is that Jesus went through a huge range of experiences in his life. And this means that he understands how we are feeling when we go through a huge range of experiences as well. It also helps us to see how we should respond when we find ourselves in those kind of situations because we can see how Jesus himself responded. Now, to start off with, this may seem a bit odd, but bear with me. I wanted to play just a very quick game with you. Now, you may have played this kind of game before. Um, It's sort of a bit of an icebreaker. That's when it's usually used to try and sort of learn a little bit more about people. Now, I appreciate a few people here may not know much about me. So to try and help you understand a bit more about me, uh, I wanted to play this little game. Now, the way it works is there are three facts that are about to come up on screen. Two of which, they're all about me, two of which are true and one of which is false. And it's your job to try and work out which one is false. Okay? Now, I know we're told not to lie, but it's just a game. Just play along for a minute. Okay? So, have the three facts, please. Okay? I'll let you read those for a moment. Just to reinforce, I did go to school in England. Okay? In case you're wondering whether that has an influence on the first one. And the second one's for 18 holes. Just in case any golfers are wondering whether it's nine or eighteen, that's for eighteen holes. I get asked every single time I do that this question. <sighs> okay, who thinks number one is false? I went to a school that a primary school that had two alligators as school pets. You think that one's false? That is true. Um, The primary school I went to, let's just get this one out of the way. Uh, The primary school I went to, we had a little bit of a strange headmaster. um, And he, when he took over the school, said to the children, I want us to have pets, teach us how to look after pets. Um, Here's a list of animals. You choose and I will get two of them. That was his promise to them. Why he did it, I don't know. Children went, alligators, brilliant. And true to his word, he brought two alligators. We had this big tank with two alligators in them. Uh, We didn't feed them. That was down to the uh, teachers. Uh, When they got cleaned out, they were put in the girls' toilets. That was locked at the time, I believe. Um, But we did have two alligators as school pets. Okay. The second one, who thinks that one's false? Loads of people. That one is false, but I actually managed a round of 78, which is eight over par. So it's false by one shot. It's true. It's true. I have, to, I have to admit, this was when I was playing about every other day, when I was about 15, 16, and I was a member of a golf course that I could walk to from my parents' house. So it was when I was playing an awful lot of golf. There's no way I could do it now. So the third one is true as well. Uh, I sometimes get anxious and worried about the stuff going on in my life. Now, that is what we want to kind of focus on today about being anxious and worried, and about having a troubled soul. And I often think that God has a great sense of humour, because if you actually ask my wife whether I was a good person to be talking about how to handle worries and anxiety and that sort of thing, she'd say, you're having a laugh. No way. There's no way that you're the right person to be doing that. But during this week when I've been preparing and reflecting on what God wants us to hear today, It's taught me an awful lot about how I should be handling things and about how I should be dealing with anxieties and worries. So what we're going to look at today, first of all, is how Jesus had quite a few occasions in his life when he was anxious, when he was worried, when he would have had a troubled soul. And what we're going to focus on, first of all, is one passage, the one that Chris read for us which follows on from the one that was talked about last week. Now, as I said at the start, I appreciate some of you may not have been around last week, either at Cranwood or here. So just to try and help kind of put this in context, it's useful to remind ourselves of what we were talking about sort of last week, what was in the bit of the Bible before the one we heard about today. Now, last week we heard about how Jesus knew he was going to be betrayed, and how ultimately that would kind of lead to his death. And last week, what we were trying to sort of learn was about how Jesus found the strength to cope with that situation through God. So today's passage kind of follows on from that. And what I wanted to try and pick out first of all is to really get that Jesus did get worried and anxious at times, and how he probably would have had a troubled soul. So remember, just before this, he told the disciples that he was going to be betrayed. And he basically told them he was going to go somewhere that they could not follow him. So just for a moment, let's put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples. Let's try and imagine how you might have been feeling. Now, when I thought about this, I thought I'd have probably had a huge range of emotions going through my head. I thought, first of all, it'd probably be a bit of shock. What do you mean somebody's going to betray you? I I don't get that. We're a close-knit group. I don't get why somebody would would betray you. But then probably utter confusion. Well, where are you going? What do you mean I can't come to? I just don't understand what's going on here. And you get an idea of this because of some of the questions and things that were said in the passage. Now, I used a slightly different translation to Chris, so it's not exactly the same, but, again, just just bear with it. Um, First of all, Thomas asked... Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And then Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. Well, why is this important? Why why is it important that we try and understand how the disciples were feeling? Well, because I believe that this would have fed into how Jesus was feeling at the time. I suspect he also had a huge range of emotions going around in his head. He knew what the future held for him. He knew that he was going to be betrayed and that he would ultimately die. But he also knew that at that time the disciples were feeling these things and that they were looking to him for some kind of guidance, some kind of comfort, some kind of, well, it's going to be okay. Don't get worried about it, it's going to be okay. And I believe that would have probably added a bit more anxiety to Jesus as well, just trying to think, well, how am I going to handle this? How am I going to deal with all of this? And if we think about just one other occasion when Jesus uh, was, was anxious and troubled... We we can see it very clearly. Now, in Mark's account of Jesus' life, he talks about the time just before Jesus was arrested. And it's in Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 42. Now, I'm not going to read out the the whole passage. Uh, It's about when Jesus was going to Gethsemane with his disciples. And in verse 33, it says, He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. So Jesus understands what it is to be anxious. He understands what it is to be deeply distressed and troubled. Now, what I then want to do is to not sort of make you become anxious and worried. You know, I'm not, it's not my intention today to try and get you to suddenly, ooh, suddenly worried about stuff because I know a lot of people are great at dealing with this. But as I said at the start, I'm perhaps not so good about it. And I was just thinking about the sort of things that make me worried. And it's the sort of things like work. Am I going to meet that deadline? Is my boss going to get cross with me? Have I made the right kind of decisions? Um, Am I going to make it to a conference in Manchester on Monday afternoon when it's snowing lots and there's not I don't know. If I make it there, am I going to make it home again? I don't know. Um, Family life, kind of making sure that I spend enough time at home, making sure that I'm a good dad to my children, making sure that I'm a good husband to my wife, that I might even see her sometime during the week. Money, have I got enough? Have I done the right things with the money I have got? Have is it okay to spend kind of money on myself to sort of be a little bit selfish? Um, my relationship with God and church life, am I doing enough in church? Should I be doing more for church? Could I be doing more to, to make my relationship with God better? Maybe I just worry too much. But I kind of just there's all these things sometimes that just go round and round in my head and just make me anxious and worried and troubled. But we also need to look to this passing to Jesus' life to think about how we can kind of deal with these things. Now, you may be thinking, I know where this is going to head. I know where this is going to end up. You're going to say to me that I need to take it to God, I need to pray, I need to trust in him, and everything will be fine. That's it. That, that's it. That's all we need to talk about. It's like, well, in a nutshell, yes, that is where I'm going to end up. But, from my own experience, I know that can sometimes be easier said than done. It can be easy to say, pray to God, trust in him, everything's going to be all right. I know I've had times when I've really struggled to even start thinking about praying to God, to then be able to trust in him. And so what I wanted to do was to offer sort of some uh, bits of advice alongside that to try and help us deal with it. Now, please hear me correctly. I'm not saying that praying and trusting in God is not important. Of course it is. And as I said, that's where I'm going to come back to in a moment. But I wanted to just, as I said, offer up a few other things as well to try and help us all. Now, if you were here last week you'd have heard Chris talk about five R's to try and help us uh, last week. Now, apologies for those of you that weren't here and maybe didn't have letters. Um, But I decided to follow Chris's lead and give you some more letters to try and help you uh, with this this week. Um, I only have four, though. I don't have five. Uh, I have four T's. uh, But actually, I've taken it a step further. They all start with the same word. Uh, Mine is turn. So there are four turns that we need to make. So the first turn is to turn to yourself. It's strange, really. What do you mean turn to yourself? What does that mean? What it means is to be honest with yourself. Admit that you're worried about something. Admit that things get you down. Admit there are things that make you anxious. We British are great at the idea of the stiff upper lip. Especially for a man. You know, come on, get on with it. You know, kind of, here at work, man up, kind of deal with it. But sometimes I don't think that's actually very helpful. Now, I'm not suggesting we go round, as I said before, becoming very anxious and crying and woe is me all the time. But I think sometimes we do need to admit that things are troubling us, that we are actually struggling. Now, if you look at the passage today, I think we get a glimpse of that with Jesus showing his emotions to the disciples. When he talks to them, a little bit about getting the point of all this in verses 9 and 10, I get the impression that Jesus was getting a bit exasperated with the disciples. I and mean, he said to Philip, don't you know me, Philip, even after such a long time? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? Now, the passage, if you, if you look in a lot of Bibles, it's, it's entitled Jesus comforting the disciples. But I just get the impression a little bit there that he's just getting a little bit frustrated and saying, well, come on, guys, don't, don't you get it even after all this time? Don't you get what this is all about? So the first one is to turn to yourself. Be honest with yourself. Be honest that there are things that make you worried. Then the second one is to turn to the future. Now, I think we also have a tendency to dwell on the past, particularly if that is part of what we kind of feel has caused some of the anxiety. Now, I see this at work quite often. Sometimes at work, I'm not saying this happens a lot at work, uh, crises will come up, uh, something will have happened that was not the way it should have gone, and immediately people seem to want to find out what and or who, who caused it. So they can find someone to blame. So they can kind of say, it wasn't my fault, somebody over there did it, that's what's gone on, that's what's happened, let's have an investigation as to what's gone on. And there are times when I feel like saying to people, and I have said at times, actually what's the point of doing that? What's the point in thinking about how we've got to here? This crisis is not going to solve itself by dwelling on what has happened. It will only solve itself by looking to what's going to go on in the future. In other words, we need to fix the problem, not dwell on what has caused the problem. Now, I know sometimes the cause can lead to the solution, but I'm hoping you get kind of what I'm trying to get across here. And if we look again at the passage today, at one of the verses in the passage today, I believe that is what Jesus was trying to get his disciples to do as well. In verse 12 it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things because I am going to the Father. Now, I believe Jesus was saying, don't dwell on what we've done together, look to the future and see what we might be able to do in the future. It's going to be even better in some ways. The third turn is to turn to friends. Now, a few weeks ago, uh, in the small group that I'm a, a member of, we discussed friendship and actually whether friendship had kind of changed in nature, whether we had true friends any longer. Uh, Facebook, fabulous thing, you no, know, fabulous way of keeping in touch with people, but was it changing the nature of how friendships were formed and how they kind of were maintained and this sort of thing? And afterwards, it got me thinking a little bit more about friendships and thinking about friends that we have. And it got me thinking about a thing that I read. I can't remember if it was in a book or in a magazine or wherever it was. But it was talking about having close friends. And it used the example of the story in the Bible. I'm not, again, going to do the passion, going to a lot of depth. About a man that was carried by his friends on a mat to a house where Jesus was. The friends then lowered him through the roof so that Jesus could heal him. Now, the basic challenge in that, in that article that I was reading was, well, if you thought about yourself, do you have friends that would carry your mat? Do you have enough friends that if you were in trouble and needed that help, that would carry your mat for you? Now, I mentioned earlier that I do get stressed and anxious. And actually, at times, uh, and last summer, I actually became quite worried and anxious about a whole variety of things. And I really needed to talk to someone. Now, my wife, Sarah, was away with my family I was at home on my own, thinking it's has to great, a few days, and, and I, just everything seemed to become too much. Now, I knew a great friend would only be too happy to talk to me. In actual fact, as soon as I called them, they came straight round to see me. We talked a lot, they offered lots of practical help as best they could, and they brought me McDonald's for lunch. Brilliant. But the point was, at that time of need, I knew I could turn to that friend, And again, I think it's useful here to think back to the passage today and how the disciples would be feeling. We said before that their emotions would have been one of confusion, just not understanding what was going on, where this was leading. And yet I think there might have been a lot of comfort to them knowing that they were kind of in it together, that there was this group of them. Now, okay, there was one who was betraying, but there was a group of them who they could turn to each other. Now, I really truly believe that's a Great value to have, and that's why I think it's really great that this church has that value of community, that it's so important to the church. Now, there may be some of you there who feel like you have no one to turn to, that you don't have those real friendships to rely upon. Now, if this is you, please talk to Chris or myself or other people in the church about some of the groups that we have to try and nurture that good community and those friendships. There are a number of ways that we can uh, try and help people with that. Now, the last turn is to turn to God. Now, I mentioned a while back, this is where I was going to end up. At the beginning of the passage today, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Now, I did also say that you may not feel like you can all of the time. Now, again, I think this is where we can link a couple of turns together. Turning to friends can be really helpful at this point as well. Because there may be times when you feel like, I just can't do this. I can't do that turning to God effectively. But others can do it for you. Now, I know I've had times in, in my life when I've, I've really struggled to pray to God, and yet I know I've got friends who could and would pray for me, only too happily. And again, there are lots of people in the church that will do that for you if, if that's where you're at. Now, we do need to be careful about what we expect the prayers to give us. In verses 13 and 14, it says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, this seems at first glance to be Jesus saying, just ask and I'll do anything for you. But I think we need to just a little bit more closely. It says, I will do whatever you ask so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. And so actually, God may not necessarily just, just take everything away immediately. Um, he will give you comfort. Let's be, let's be clear about it. He will give you comfort. He may tell you to change some things to try and sort of deal with some of these anxieties and stresses. He won't necessarily just take it all, all away from us. So, kind of my challenge to us all, including myself, is to say to us all, which of those turns do we need to make? Might be one of them, might be all four of them. It might be that I know I've done this kind of turn, the, and no, you've kind of partly gone, but not really turned. Which of the turns do you need to make? I think we need to remember, just to sort of bring this all to a close, Jesus did have a troubled soul at times. We see in the passage, we see in a few other areas as well. He understands what we're going through. He can help us get through what we're going through as well.